Thanks to Wander Beauty for supporting Another Mother Runner. Wander Beauty is a new line of easy-to-use, multitasking products that help you make the most of your beauty routine, no matter how little time you have. Get 20% off your purchase at wanderbeauty.com AMR. Welcome to another Mother Runner Answers. This is Sarah Bowen Shea. And this is Dimity McDowell here in Denver. How's, how's life on TGIF in Portland, Sarah? It, it is good. It is good. It turns out, turns out I'm on a training plan, Dimity, and I, I didn't know it. So I'm running 10 miles tomorrow. <laughs> How many? 10. 10. Wow. What training plan are you on? We, <laughs> Molly informed me of this at the end of our six mile run on Wednesday, that we are on the train like a mother from the book. We are on the half marathon um, own it plan. I couldn't even remember what we call them in the book. Yes, we are on the own it plan. Wow. What, is, what race is she wanting to own? She wants to own the Vancouver half, Vancouver, BC half marathon, which is the first weekend in May, the same weekend that the Eau Claire marathon and half marathon and marathon relay, which is what I'm running is. So I guess I'll just be exceptionally well-trained for that. I was about to say, you'll be the, yeah, you'll be the ringer. Very good. <laughs> be the anchor leg with the baton coming in. Yeah. So, um, so yeah. So, uh, because last weekend when I was in South Carolina, I ran um, eight miles and Molly said that she ran eight miles too. And, she, and um, sometimes when I'm gone, she is, she would admit that she is not the best at keeping up with her running. And I was like, huh, that's awesome. And so then when we we're talking about whether we'd run on Saturday or Sunday and all this stuff. And she goes, well, we have to do 10 miles this week. And I'm like, why do we have to do 10 miles this weekend? She's like, we're on a training plan. <laughs> oh, this to me, almost better not to know. Right. I know, like, you know, showing up and you're like, Oh, that's, that's why I like master swimming is cause like, uh, well, this is a couple of weeks ago, but I showed up and like, they do this, you do a 600 meter, like, not all out because it's 600 meters, so it takes a while. But, you know, I mean, that's your test, right? Then that's use that pace to determine your um, sets for the next couple months, you know, and then oh. you do it again and see how fast, you know, see if you get a little bit faster. Uh-huh. So, um, and so if I would have known that we were doing the 600 meter test, I would not have shown up. I'm being very honest, you know, but then I was like, oh, part of here. All right, fine. I'll just do it, you know, and then you just do it because you're there, right? So it's kind of like Molly's your coach. Like, oh, we're doing 10 today? Okay, great. I know, I know. So yeah, we were going to decide it on weather, um, as in W-E-A-T-H-E-R. You know, if it was going to rain on Saturday, then we'd run on uh, Sunday and do cycle bar on uh, Saturday, whatever. And so then she texted me later and she's like, oh yeah, I'm going to a cocktail party on Saturday night. So I want to run on Saturday because I don't know what type of shape I'll be in on Sunday. <laughs> there you go. Yeah. yeah, yeah awesome. Yeah. Yes. So, so yeah. So, and uh, let's talk about the classes that we loved at Rancho La Puerta at our retreat, which now unfortunately seems like almost a distant memory, even though it was, it was just last week. So yeah. Yeah. Uh, I mean, what were some of your favorites? I went heavy in the dance uh, field. Uh, mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and so um, did I did that cardio drumming class twice. I mean, I loved the striptease class that was uh, that we kept all our clothes on. And but was specifically for AMR retreaters that you had set up so wisely with Manuel, who is the most awesome teacher. And <laughs> isn't he funny? Oh, my gosh. And then um, I also took Oh, I took hip hop which is in, in my next life, I'm coming back as a hip hop 
dancer. Just going to lay that out there. That is my true dream. So. Wow. <laughs> yeah. We'll see you on the Super Bowl stage, you know, with Madonna or whatever. <laughs> the next version, the next coming of Madonna. Yes. Yes. Um, so, and that's awesome. Yeah. I'm trying to think about what classes I really liked. Well, I mean, I took Feldenkrais again, which I really do like. It's, it's the class that literally you do nothing. Someone described it as half t- taking a nap half barely moving your body. And I'm like, yep, that's pretty much what it is. Um, but just, uh, it's, I think of it kind of as the equivalent to Pilates and that how, how I feel after that class is how I feel after Pilates, which is like mm-hmm. a lot of space in my spine, a lot of lightness in my, in my limbs and my body and my spirit. Um, and it's crazy because literally you just move like an inch or two, right? I mean, it's mm-hmm. not, it's not crazy. Um, you know, strive, strive, try hard. Mm-hmm. Um, I took that a lot. I took a meditation class. I took a bar class for yeah, the second time together. and realized why I don't take bar class. <laughs> Holy cow. Um, but good, but a good workout. And um, I took a, like, I, I kind of went more on the, um, the chill side of things, which actually felt really good. So like Feldenkrais, I did a stretch and um, relax class. Mm-hmm. Um, I didn't do any dance classes besides striptease. It just doesn't call my name. Um, mm-hmm. So you know, if it's not calling my name, then I'm not going to do it. Um, yeah. But yeah, no, I mean, I, I, any class there that you take, excuse me, is always going to teach you something. And the, and the great part about it is, is most classes are 45 minutes long. So if you get in there, you're like, whoa, this isn't for me, or this doesn't, this isn't what I expected it to be or whatever, you're going to learn something. But also then it's not like you're stuck there for 90 minutes, you know? Yeah. Oh, yeah. actually one class that I wish that I took that was longer was kettlebells. That's the first time I've ever taken a kettlebell class. Yeah. And I yeah. really, really liked it. I thought that it was just going to be, you know, hold the bell or variations of holding the bell between your legs, you know, and doing like squats and stuff, you know? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And instead we were like swinging it around our heads and um, <laughs> doing like wood chops. What, what was it called? Over the head. And who was, I think it was in that class with either Kim or Holly. And I was like, this is not going to go well. Like <laughs> over the head. I saw you, I saw you in the next class after that, you kind of motioned for the around the head. And I was like, Oh yeah, that could have ended up in a broken nose really easily. Yeah. Yeah. Although the instructor was so, so good. And I mean, basically all we did was what she said was we just basically did the warm up. Um, for what they would do, then 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 they would lead into a class. Oh. Um, so it was just a lot of you know. I mean, it was definitely challenging because it was a lot of upper body, and you know that's what we runners tend to neglect. But um, but it was just it was really fun. Like it made me really want to take a kettlebell like class. Um, oh, good. Because and and like one point, I think it was Kim. Kim who would like take off her sweatshirt, and she's like, "Oh, you shouldn't put that down because don't put your bell down in the middle of this warm up slash what I thought was." A, was a workout um, because you're, you're, you're like your nerves and your muscles are adapting to just holding it, you know? Wow. And so, um, so it's, it's that part, just, just, you know, holding it. And like, you know, she showed us little positions where you can rest on your hip and I don't know, it was really, it was, that, that was probably the most, um, the, like the most interesting just because again, like I had never done it. So. Wow. Interesting. Yeah. So, um, I also took, um, I could, I can tap into my inner, you know, peace and calm. I took an Iyengar yoga class that was actually 75 minutes long. And, Uh um, I have started doing a move from that, a kind of shoulder opener and hand forearm opener move that I've started doing most mornings when I wake up. And, um, very funny though, because a woman, I walk in the class 
and I don't think I was wearing, oh, maybe I was wearing like our badass mother runner tank top or something, but I wasn't wearing like our AMR jacket or anything. And she walked right up to me and she goes, you're Sarah, aren't you? And I was like, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. She goes, oh, I was talking to someone from your group. I think it just sounds fascinating. And I'm from Portland too. And so she was there with her uh, man that I thought was her husband and, and he could well be. But um, then when, after I got back, my neighbor was like, texted me. She's like, oh, our friends so-and-so and so-and-so were uh, like Joanne and, you know, Taylor were over last night and they said they met you at... <laughs> in Mexico. <laughs> That's awesome. I'm like, oh my gosh, small world. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I love it. I love it. That's so cool. Yeah. Yeah. So um, yeah, it was just fantastic. And you, and also you said about how fantastic the instructor were. That what is true across the board at Rancho La Puerta. They have just the most top notch, inspiring, knowledgeable, and spirited instructors. I mean, I just loved all totally. of them. Yeah. Totally. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Totally. Yeah. Yeah. All right. We better yeah. stop talking about it because um, A, it's past and B, people who are not there, which is the majority of our audience, um, you know, we, 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 we should probably move on to some more general questions because yeah. uh, not everyone is stripped to you your kettlebelling with us. Yeah. Although I will say I did just get off a call talking about possible 2020 retreat there. Whoa, whoa. Sweet. So, uh, yes. So, all right. Well, let's get our first question. It comes from Kara, who comes from a self-described small town in Southern Indiana. Hi, my name is Kara and I am in Southern Indiana in a fairly small town. My question is, I I really enjoy running, but I am currently a solo runner as my best running friend moved away. So I've been thinking about starting a run group here locally. We have a small town. It's kind of spread out over the county. So I don't know where to get started with that, um, how to encourage people to come and to join and how to kind of coordinate paces and those type of things. Um, I am training for my second marathon, which will be Chicago in the fall, and I tend to run a little bit quicker than others, so it's hard for me to find a group or a running partner and still hit my quality training, but also have that camaraderie. Um, let me know what you ladies think. Thank you. Bye. All right. I love that Kara wants to start a running group. So, um, what are your thoughts, Dim, about how to, I, I'm intrigued that she, you know, spread out over the county. So, mm-hmm. um, you know, that's logistically more challenging than saying, oh, I want to, you know, my subdivision, I want to get together moms who run in the subdivision. So it's a little bit more of a challenge than that. Um, sure, sure. Well, I mean, so a couple of things. I mean, I would, um, you know, so, so it, it sounds small. It sounds like it's not like there's, you know, a, a nice density of people. But um, if there's a running store in that town, I would mm-hmm. ask if they have one. And if not, if she would be interested, if, you know, if they would be interested in her starting one mm-hmm. um, and spreading the word, because that's probably the best way to capture, you know, the most fish in the net. Yep. Um, I mean, that's one way. You could also do it via your kid's school. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, you can often, you know, and then this is, sounds a little um, judgmental, but I don't mean it to be, but you can often pick out the runners, right? They're the ones that have a Garmin on their watch or, you know, they're wearing yes. a Garmin with their like business clothes or um, <laughs> they pick up their kids in, you know, um, spandex or they've got a 13.1 sticker on the back of their car, that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, I mean, just, you know, it's a little bit like dating, right? You got to kind of just like get out there and be like, okay, I'm going to go up and ask these people. I mean, I always remember... Um, my friend Joe that I did the Grand Canyon with our friend Joe, who, um, said, you know, she just stopped 
she literally pulled her car over one day, a group of four women running in St. Paul, which I realize is not rural Indiana, but she said, I want to run with you. How can I, how can we do that? Oh, you know, yeah. it's, it takes a little bit of just getting out of your comfort zone. So, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's, that's where I would start. I would also look for um, chapters. Also, Go ahead. Also, I was going to say, could also be at her church, mm-hmm. uh, you know, kind of wherever. And also, I mean, social media, I mean, put it up on your Facebook. If, you know, care if you have a lot of local friends, I mean, so you're not just friends with, you know, your, your roommate from college and you went to school a thousand miles away. You know, if you have a lot of um, Indi- Southern Indiana based friends, and ask them to share it, you know, that, that can get you a lot of traction as well. Um, you know, Absolutely. I, think there's, I think there's nothing wrong with putting up a paper flyer at a, at a coffee shop. <laughs> I mean, that's how I found the mom group that I joined when Phoebe was a baby and I'm still pals with one of those moms. Um, sure, sure. So yeah. Getting, getting the word out. And then, so we've, we've covered the encouraging people to come and join and then coordinating paces. I mean, I think about uh, planning out and back runs so that then, you know, like an out and back race, like we had in Cape Cod that you can, the faster runners are going to see the um, runners that aren't quite up there at the front of the pack and can offer encouragement to each other or if. Sure. Yeah. I mean, out and back is definitely like the easiest way to do that. Cause then you can, everyone can run at their own pace and meet at the end for mm-hmm. um, co- coffee and camaraderie or chatter. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, that's probably the best way to do it or, um, or, you know, I mean, so she sounds like she's a little bit faster. One thing that you could do, um, is make, you know, if, if say you just want to go and run with somebody for five miles, she's training for a marathon. So five miles is going to feel like adjust to her. And, um, and so maybe, you know, you join, you find some people and you join them for an easy run. It's an easy run for you, but maybe it's their, like part of their long run or something like that. You mm-hmm. know, like you somehow piece together the, the puzzle so that, um, you're both getting what you need because, mm-hmm. you know, it's, it's, it's okay to run fast. I mean, it's good to run fast, but you also need to have those really, really easy recovery days. So maybe use those as a way to chat and connect with other people when they're maybe running a little bit quicker. Mm -hmm. And also that's another great thing about the out and back. Let's say the whole run, you know, I don't know, it's going to be five miles. Then you, you stick with the group for the first mile so that you warm up, you know, properly and, and you get nice and warm before then, you know, if Kara wants to break into tempo pace or something for the mid th- middle three miles, then she can go faster for that. And then, you know, if there's somebody up around there, you know, you can go with them for the that cool down mile. Totally. Totally. Yeah. yeah. But definitely go for it. I mean, if it's something that you want, you know, like don't, don't, because the worst thing that'll happen is you'll say show up at eight o'clock and nobody shows up and then you just go run. You know, yeah, eight o'clock on a Saturday morning. I mean, it's not, it's not like they're going to be like, oh, I'm not going because it's Kara hosting. Like, they're just uh-huh. not going because they're busy. We've learned that a ton. Like, mother <laughs> runners are some of the busiest women going or, you know, runners in general. So, people going. So, don't think that, you know, don't take anything personally, I guess, is what I would say. Yeah, yeah, because you and I can speak from experience, say, um, um, run in conjunction with the launch of Run Like a Mother, that, that there were... There were definitely times that it, you know, I think of Bellingham, Washington, and it was like, yeah, it's just me here. So, yeah, with Minnesota. All right, let's go to Arizona with Marcella. Yes. Hi, my name is Marcella, and I reside in sunny Arizona. I'm a mother runner to boy boy girl triplets who just turned four. My question regards when to adjust pace to change finish time in a race. So I'm slated to run the Mesa Phoenix Half Marathon next Saturday, February 9th. It'll be my third time running the race, and my prayer finish times were 2 hours 17 minutes and 2 hours 14 minutes. And this year, I'd like to finish at 
205 or two hours. I plan to start out running with the 205 pacer, um, but if I get into the race and I'm feeling good, I like to shoot for that two-hour time. What are your recommendations for breaking away from that pacer and speeding up to reach that goal? Thanks for answering my question. I love the work you guys do. Have a great day. I like this question because uh, it kind of combines the, you know, starting out with a pacer and then kind of when to leave. It's it's almost like the pacing of a novel or something. It's it's where do you where do you pull in the excitement? When do you decide to step on the gas? So sure. yeah. Well, she's already run, right? So I, we hope that it went well. Yeah. <laughs> First of all, and so we hope maybe that the spice is helpful. I mean, the biggest red flag that I hear about this is relying on a pacer. Totally right? Like, when am I going to switch from the 205 to the 200? Mm -hmm. And that, not that you cannot use them as really nice guideposts, but you need to be in charge of your own race. Mm -hmm. And, um, and so, because I mean, just, you know, just having read um, Bammer Pammer's marathon report, you know, she wanted to finish um, in front of five hours. And at one point, the five hour pacer was in front of her. And Pam knew that that person was going too fast. Mm -hmm. But, you know, but if you didn't know that, or if you weren't, watching your splits and knowing where you wanted to be, that could really freak you out. And I, that's not the first time I've heard of that or seen yeah. it myself. So yeah. I'm not, I'm definitely not giving pacers a bad name. I'm just saying that they are not the boss of you, <laughs> you yeah. know, it, so use it, them as. Yeah. And also you never know where they start in relation to you in the race, depending on the size of the race, you know? Yeah. 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 So first of all, I would say to Marcella, I don't know when she ran 217 and 214, but mm-hmm. going to 205, which is, um, well, it's nine minutes. So it's, it's a little less than a minute a mile and then half marathon, but that's significant. And mm-hmm. I can't tell if it's, you know, to boy, girl triplets turn four mm-hmm. or can you tell that Sarah? I don't know. It's hard no. to tell. I just, the expectation of going from 214 to 205 or 200 is a lot. And maybe her training is lined up for that. And maybe, and that's awesome. Mm-hmm. But if this is her third half marathon, trying to lock that much time off, can be challenging if she's not, if she hasn't done like race pace miles and gotten herself ready for it, both mentally and physically. Mm-hmm. So um, personally, if I were her, I would stay for the two, I would stay with the 205 pacer until, and, and making sure like back checking the 205 <laughs> pacer, you know, as you go along. And then if I got to like mile 11, 11 and a half, or even 12, I would probably oh. really be conservative with how I felt. Wow. Because you're going to get a big PR no matter what. Oh, right? uh, yeah. See, I thought, I thought around the 10 mile mark, see how she felt and start because to, ch- to chunk off that, if she was on pace to do 205, if she'd like well, to she, shoot for two. Yeah, no, she wouldn't be able to do that. She wouldn't be able to get from 205 to two starting at 11 and a half or 12. But yeah, no, definitely. I yeah. think, you know, but I think, you know, again, given everything, well, given that we are not talking to her right now, so we don't know what her training will look like where she is, you know, where those marathons fell, pre-twins, post-twins, all that stuff. Mm-hmm. I would say air on, you want to finish strong. You want to finish feeling really good. So I would say go for it about 11 or 12, and that's still going to get you a, a really nice PR. And then you kind of know what you need to do to get it down again. That's okay. what I would do personally. Okay. I would stick with the 205 pacer again, checking to make sure that they were on track for hitting 205. And if I felt good at mile 10, that's where I would take off on my own and just know that I might fly and die, but I would, uh, unless I really, 
you know, had to slow to a walk, it, she'd still have a, a, a PR. So I would try to see, because I feel that the half marathon is really made in those, in that final 5k of the race, mm-hmm. just kind of, you know, gun it and see what she can do and making sure to, if she practiced it, hopefully in training to fuel in that final 5k, because I've said it a bunch of times that I think that's the, a lot of people think, Oh, I've just got, you know, 3.1 miles and it's, you know, um, splurge on that extra goo around mile 11 and a half <laughs> or even 12. Cause it'll come in handy. That really, even the, even if it doesn't work its way in, um, into your bloodstream, the carbohydrates, there's been studies that show that even just kind of swishing a sugary drink or, you know, goo with some water around in your mouth sends a signal to your brain that, that carbohydrate calories are on their way. And so you can, almost kind of access them in advance in a way. And obviously I'm not a totally. person. So, um, yeah. Yes. Yes. So, so we want to know how it went, Marcel. Let us, if you, if you hear this, um, drop us, you know, put it up on our Facebook page or tweet to us or something. Cause I'd love, mm-hmm. we'd love to know how it went. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And good. And good luck with those triplets. <laughs> Hats off as a twin mother. Oh, triplets. I'm at, yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Two boys, girl triplets. Oh my gosh. I said I had twins in my head. Oh my gosh. Wow. Yes. I'm really interested in where this falls because that's, that is just a whole nother layer, man. <laughs> it sure is. As the mother of a twin, I can say, yes, it is. Beauty routine. Some mornings I can't even squeeze in a shower. So, spoiler alert, a 20-step full face of makeup just isn't going to happen. Makeup should give you maximum impact with minimum effort. So let me steer you to a beauty brand that finally gets it, Wander Beauty. Wander Beauty is a line of multitasking beauty essentials that are easy to use and travel friendly. So you can get ready in five minutes and stay gorgeous on the go. The brand was founded by a working mom of two and a supermodel, two women who are always on the move and know how to make the most of their precious time. Wander Beauty streamlines your beauty routine with fewer products that work better. They have these fabulous, easy to use, multitasking beauty products. I have a few stashed in my purse so I can get gussied up in a bathroom before a podcast recording party or in the car as I head into parent-teacher conferences. I especially love the On The Glow blush and illuminator. This two-for-one gives color and highlights, helping me look as upbeat and refreshed as running makes me feel. It's time to make over your beauty routine with Wander Beauty. Get 20% off your purchase at wanderbeauty.com slash AMR. That's wanderbeauty.com slash AMR for 20% off. wanderbeauty.com slash AMR. All right. So we're going from um, sunny Arizona to Leah in Fort Collins, Colorado. Hi, Sarah and Dimity. This is Leah from Fort Collins, Colorado. My question is about... Um, a cold bum. When I run in the cold weather, um, especially as the temperatures aren't getting much above five or six degrees right now in northern Colorado, my bum while I run is the coldest thing. Um, I'm rather curvy with a, and a large derriere and I can't seem to get it to warm up. I'm wondering if you have any advice on how I can keep warm without adding too many more layers. Thanks so much. Bye-bye. And I just love this, a cold bum. <laughs> a cold bum. I know, I know. Um, well, I did a little research. Do you want, do you want to start with oh. my research or do you want to start with your suggestion? Oh, well, oh, gosh, I think we got to go research-based first, Emily. You go. Be my guest. Okay. Yeah. Well, so, um, so we know that the glutes are the most powerful muscle, right? And they're strong oh. as steel, right? Most, you know, um, but... Most of us also have a layer of fat on our bum, usually covering the muscle, 
right? Uh-huh. Yeah. And so um, fat is inactive tissue that doesn't generate heat. Yes. So, and so in that, that it absorbs the cold weather outside. So even though, you know, your legs, your quads probably feel good because you don't have a lot of fat over them, right? Um, mm. And they're nice and strong. Um, versus your glutes, which are um, again nice and strong, but they but they have more fat, um, and that that fat also has fewer blood vessels. So mm. your muscles, you know, your glutes underneath, your glute maximus and medius and minimus are all getting blood flow, but that outer mm. layer, that insulating, what we think of as an insulating layer, is not actually insulating. So that's the physiologist's um, perspective. So it's it's kind of like it's kind of like the fat is a sweater that keeps what's under it warm, but the sweater itself is cold. Exactly, uh. exactly. <laughs> and so one of the, the couple things that, that, um, that this uh, exercise physiologist suggested, her name was Polly DeMille, um, was put a skirt over your mm. tights, which I thought was a great idea. So, you know, yeah. if you have a running skirt, um, mm-hmm. the other one that we love, um, or I know that I love, is we, I know we both love wool, and mm-hmm. um, you could get, I, I know I have a pair of icebreaker undies that I don't wear usually running, but my bum doesn't get that cold. But that's definitely, you know, they have boy shorts and they have, I'm sure REI has some and um, what's icebreaker, what's that other Ibex. I mean, you could find some that mm-hmm. and see if it's a really an issue um, where it, it keeps you from running or really enjoying your run. I would definitely say it's worth a splurge and, you know, wearing those under your tights. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then um, maybe kind of trying to warm up from the from the inside out. My thought was to do that lunge matrix that I know um, you in the past have done. And I, I did um, a lot when I was training for marathons, but I now have started to redo it again, just because it's this lunge matrix that involves five different versions of lunges and you do five on each leg. So you do mm, uh, 25, you know, you do 50 lunges total. And so you do um, five to the front, you know, alternating legs, and then um, five, gosh, what is it? Five, oh, yeah, five, then five to the front, but also twisting toward that bent leg. So, um, you know, when you put your right leg forward, you twist to the right over it, and then you uh, lunge to the side, and then you lunge back toward, imagine there's toward the five on a, if you're um, facing forward, and that's new, you know, 12 o'clock step back with your right foot toward the five, step back toward the seven o'clock with um, your left leg and then do reverse lunges. And that just, and if you want a little extra, tap your bum um, as you're doing it, the um, top part of your bum so that that can recruit the muscles a little better. And I know it helps me I'll be able to nail a pace that I want to if I know I have, you know, tempo or whatever in a, a run because those muscles are then activated. So you know, kind of wake them up a little before you go running. And hopefully then they'll share some of their warmth with that um, chili fat layer that's on top of it. (laughs) (laughs) Totally. You could also do, um, and the lunge matrix is a great suggestion. Other stuff that, um, you know, glute bridges are really Mm -hmm. good to do right before a run. Um, You're just laying on the floor and lifting up your pelvis, doing them two-legged or one-legged. The other thing that when I think about like, you know, they're dead butt syndrome. I mean, we could do a whole podcast about that, right? Whether or not you're engaging your glutes. Yeah. But one of the things that you should think about on your run, um, you know, to build up, to make sure that they're working is I often think about them like almost pushing me from behind. Mm-hmm. Um, like you can kind of just feel like them literally, like it's like a locomotive, you know? And, um, you know, so you can really feel them there. You can feel them a lot when you climb a hill. Um, mm-hmm. You know, Coach MK uh, used to say all the time, reach back and just feel your glutes as you go up the hill. And that is how you want your glutes to feel all the time. So 
when you are running on the flats or, um, or the downhill, like reach back and see what they feel like. And if they're not engaged, what do you need to do to engage them? Mm-hmm. Um, that's really, uh, you know, I mean, it's, there's a lot to digest there, but I think, um, I think she can find something, whether it's a skirt or lunges or, mm-hmm. a little, uh, you know, work or on I'm the thinking, run. I'm thinking it's like, you know, Manuel taught us in striptease, you know, smack your booty a little bit. So yeah. Uh, it's working or you know yeah yeah so (laughs) all right and this final question comes from diane in chicago hi my name is diane i'm calling from chicago i have three boys and my question is if you're accustomed to running uh you know about 40 miles per week and you're starting a training plan that starts at a lower mileage uh say you know in the 20s do you recommend adding easy miles your runs to keep your weekly mileage at what your usual is about 35 to 40 miles a week until the plan starts to ramp up higher than that or do you go back down for like for example for marathon training to the 20 something mileage uh, that's prescribed thank you so much looking forward to hearing the answer bye so I think this is this is a legitimate question that makes you think like, okay, well, I'm totally up in my mileage and now am I supposed to like cut my run shorter when I step out on training plans? It seems kind of counterintuitive. So, Tim, you spend a lot of time in that train like a mother club. What, what say you? Um, I mean, I think you can do two things. I think you need to kind of exchange or uh, not exchange, um, uh, examine where you are, right? Mm-hmm. Mentally more than anything. Like, are you really excited to start training again? Are you feeling a little weary from running? I mean, if you are, um, I just, you know, I mean, I think a lot of us are just go, 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 go. I'm going to do more miles. I'm going to try harder. I'm going to keep going. And like we just talked to Christy Ashwanden on the podcast, on the AMR podcast yesterday about recovering and resting and relaxing and how that really sets you up to have a really prime training cycle. So if Diane is feeling like, um, you know, I'm ready to go, then absolutely you can throw in some, some easy miles on either side of, the, of each, you know, each day. I wouldn't get right to 40. I wouldn't try to stay at 40. I would maybe give yourself, you know, give yourself a little bit of a ramp up. So maybe go you know, 32, 35, 38, 40 or whatever, you know, and then mm-hmm. just kind of meet the plan where it's at. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, um, so those, those, I mean, those are the things that she used to think about really. Um, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And more strength. I mean, that's the other thing is, you know, if you want to um, make sure that you're going to survive this training cycle and, and be bomb proof and feel really strong and solid, then, you know, um, instead of running some easy miles, take that time and hit the gym. Honestly, it will pay off more than more easy miles. I think, um, that, I think that's a brilliant suggestion, Dimity. And, and it doesn't even have to be at the gym. I mean, you know, as you show in so many videos in the train, like a mother club and in many happy miles, you know, there's so many things you can do at home with your body weight. So even mm-hmm. if it just means that Diane finishes up um, two miles sooner than she would like to, you know, comes home two miles shorter than she'd like to, she can still go inside and do, you know, some of the things that we've talked about, lunges, glute bridges, uh, you know, a bunch of core work, some push-ups. um, you know, there's just a lot you can do in your house that, that like you say, is going to pay off in spades as the miles increase. Totally. And I mean, just again, you know, like, I mean, I just think about like the Kara Gouchers of the world that go to Hawaii after they've run a marathon, right? Mm-hmm. And just don't do anything. I'm not saying Diana's coming off of a training cycle like that or an intense race focus like that, but, but there is a time 
there's a time to rest and a time to what else? <laughs> to reap and do. The turn and turn. Yeah, that's the song. Yeah, about. Yeah. yeah, yeah, that one. Um, yeah. So anyway, so yeah, so I guess you know, really, just if you need to slow down before, if and let those let that be permission to mm-hmm. those first couple of weeks, if, you, if that feels good, you're not going to exactly. lose anything. Mm-hmm. So. And then, I mean, when you're week nine, 10, 11 of training for a marathon, there's always that, oh, why didn't I take it easy when I could? Exactly. Yeah, you're not so, doing it after that. Yeah. yeah no regrets. No regrets. Um, so, all right. I have to say that there were slim pickings for questions. So we're definitely Uh-oh. in need of questions. So, um, Dim, fire off that phone number, please. Okay. It is 470-BADASS-1 or 470-223-2771. Um, give us your first name and where you're calling from and keep your message about 90 seconds or less. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, and then tell your friends about this show as well as the regular Another Mother Runner podcast. We just landed on Spotify. Very cool. Um, making it even less easier to listen to our show. Mm-hmm. Yep, yep. So please keep the questions coming. We're here with answers. Mm-hmm.